Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And we're back with the Costello Coaching Podcast with Tommy Costello and Andrew Rohrbach. I'm Tommy Costello, and I'm very excited to share with you what we're going to talk about today. Today is something that most young people are susceptible with, and our calling what we're doing, what we're working on, what we're trying to coach is really giving people tactical information where they can support themselves in their world. So everyone lives in their own world and some are athletes, some aren't athletes, but our job is to facilitate the tools and tactics to help people. And what we're looking at today is a study from the American Psychological Association. The title of the study is Why Young Brains Are Especially Vulnerable to social media, the science behind why apps like TikTok, Instagram, and Snapchat impact your child's brain in a different way than your adult brain. So Andrew and I are going to dive deep into that today, really talking about brain development, dangers of young people on social media, living in a world of comparison. And later on in the episode, I'm going to share with you what staying in your own lane means to me and how I constantly struggle with that in my own life. So Without further ado, here's my man, Andrew Rohrbach, and he's going to break down the study and give us some of the facts as we get going. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with the, the very first fact that we came up with this, and maybe we can chat a little bit about it, shall we? So st- starting around the age of 10, children's brain undergo a fundamental shift that spurs them to seek social rewards, including attention and approval from their peers. Um Right at about 10 to 12 is when this starts to happen, Tommy. And at that point is when these kids are most susceptible to this. Okay. I'm not around many 10 to 12 year olds, but do these 10 year olds have cell phones and social media? I, the study didn't say it, but I've been around a lot of 10 to 12 year olds. I give like, I'm around a yeah. lot of that. And yeah. I, yeah. Most of them wow. have social media. Because you have a cousin that's uh, nine, 10 years old, right? He's eight. Yeah. Or he's he just eight. turned nine. Yeah. And he has social media. No way. Yeah. He's on TikTok. He's wow. on all that stuff. Yeah. Really important though. And it is honestly for me, I'm trying to put out the most, the best information. So if a kid does come across it, at least he's going to learn something from it. Right. Right. Okay, so go ahead. Keep going with it. So social rewards are, you know, basically compliments from a new hairstyle, laughter from a friend, starting to feel a little bit more satisfying at these ages. So it's it's very, very important that you understand that w- when we're talking about social media, these kids are looking for instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Like, post this photo yeah. and you're going to get this reward for it. Yeah. And that's a little bit of it. And part of the brain that's really affected by this the most is called the ventral striatum. And it's the part that gets the dopamine, the oxytocin rush whenever they experience any social reward. Mm. And that floods in. And the, so in this study, they showed that that part of the brain lights up on an fMRI. So it's like so a like study. brain scans. Yep. A brain scan. And that part lights up during it. And at that age is... What are your thoughts on that? Mm. Well, I know that from the studies that I've looked at revolving around the brain, the frontal lobe is always evolving. So dealing with logic and reason, that's always evolving. That's never going to stop evolving. But it really doesn't come to form and shape until about 25, 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So you can think of teenagers, you know, parents constantly saying, oh, my teenager is so emotional and they're, they're bursting out. Well, yeah, their brain is changing more than their body. Mm-hmm. And I'm not claiming to be some sort of expert, but just pick up a anatomy book from your local library or go pick up a, 
anatomy book from your 10th grade science class. And this information is in there. This is not complex. I'm not trying to sound like Andrew Huberman here, but this is simple stuff. The brain is changing so much. So we got to give a little bit of leeway to these kids. And that's my approach. And I share this with parents all the time. You got to reframe the way that you're thinking about, you know, the pressures that you're putting on yourself. And I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole here, but I was helping an athlete and very elite level athlete, 93, 94 miles an hour. And he's 16 years old. So that's, that's pro level stuff at a high school age. Now his velo was falling down and it was his velocity. So how hard the ball was coming out was falling down and he was beating himself up because he was comparing himself to a professional that was 26, 27 years old. That's not fair. Mm -hmm. That's not fair for him to do, but it's so easy to live in this world of comparison because of the access of information that we have, we, we have available to us. Yeah. So when you start living in this comparison world and you start putting the pressures that a 26, 27-year-old are living up to at the highest of levels and start putting that pressure on a 16-year-old without knowing the difference, their brain is going to process that in a totally different way than a 26, 27-year-old would. Yeah, you said that perfectly. That's exactly what's happening at this point, right? Like a young kid is expected to be dealing with situations that a 25, 26-year-old or even a mature adult is supposed to deal with. And their brain's just not developed that way. Yeah, and we put this expectation on them that they're going to handle it. Right, and I think with social media, here's my thoughts on it, is at that point, at that age, 10 to 12 years old, they're dealing with a lot of different things that mm. are a 25, 26-year-old's not dealing with. Right. Like they don't have the ability to problem solve. They're still regulating who they are as people. Yep. And adults have a better sense of self, but still are confused. But still are confused. We all are. Yeah. Like I'll be honest. My yeah. dad's pretty addicted to TikTok. He won't yeah. stop sending me TikToks. Yeah. No, I know college coaches that are super addicted to it. It's, it's addicting because it, it is genius because it attacks the most valuable part of our brain where we get rewards. Yeah. It's why drugs are addicting. It's why, you know, certain foods are addicting because there's a dopamine rush and that's what we thrive on. That's what we live for. Well, so then what would you say to the listeners? What are some things you can practice daily to? I think it's what we, that? what we challenge ourselves with. Um, strategically for me, I got to a point where I was fortunate enough to make enough money where I just hire someone to do all my social media where I don't look at it. I noticed that when I'm most productive is when I'm not looking at that stuff, but I love to tap into it for about 20 minutes a week. So I can just be aware of what's going on in my space on social media and then channel back into what I'm doing. Because if I'm sitting there, I had the tendency to just sit on social media and it takes me away from what I'm doing. I look at my dad. I look at uh, a person who's like a second dad for me. His name's Phil. And they never have social media. They never know what's going on. And it is almost more so much more simple for them. Mm -hmm. So the advice that I would give to someone who has a 10 to 12 year old, I mean, I would say no way, like would I let them have it? Um, no way would I want a 14, 15 year old to have it, but they all do. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to say, no, just take it away. But it's another thing to give a tactical approach on how to control it. Now, this is my approach on everything regarding channeling your habits is if you start with education, if you start with education, they can make an informed decision for themselves. If you just tell them what to do, they're not going to do it because it, the, telling them what's what they're going to do will work in the there and now, but not in the future. If you educate someone on it, at least they can make an informed decision every time. 
So for a 10, 12-year-old, dumb down the information. Don't talk about the crazy brain term that you threw in in the beginning. You give them, hey, look, this is social media. It's got all these cool things about it, and it's entertaining, and it's fun, but these are the challenges with it. And you explain it in simple terms, and you educate them on it. What are your thoughts? I agree completely. I think everything with balance. I think everything with moderation. And so set a parameter for how much usage is allowed. But I think you hit a really important point is educating them. And if they don't reach you know, that goal or, or they don't do exactly what you say, it's okay. Be there for them when they, when they fall. You want it, It's so funny. This just came up in my mind. So my freshman year, and most people can reflect on this. Most people have to take a health class their freshman year. I and did. usually it's the easy A, right? No one pays attention. You just show up. You get the A, whatever. For whatever reason, I had a great health teacher my freshman year in high school, Miss Firestone, okay? Mm-hmm. She dove into some science on how impactful the, the brain was with alcohol So for young people. So the, I remember doing a report on this study, and it was something like, if you start drinking at 12, you're this percentage of becoming an alcoholic. If you start drinking at 13, you, become this per, you have this percent, and all the way up to 21. And there was like a 6% chance, depending on your DNA and genetics, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, obviously. But there was the smallest percentage chance starting drinking after 21, and that's why that's the drinking age. So it was like a two-week assignment revolved around this. And I remember listening to that and listening to her teach and learning how drugs affect the brain. Like I said just a minute ago, we're talking about a ninth grade anatomy, like nothing that complex. But if you understand the simple stuff, I made an educated, informed decision not to drink when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. And whether it was there was so much peer pressure around me to drink with my friends and do this and do that, I, I never did. Mm-hmm. And people will give me a hard time and razz me about it. But the reason I did it, the sole reason I did it was because I was educated on it. And I was like, why would I do this to myself? Why would, I only got one brain. I only got one life. Why would I do this to myself? But it was because I was educated on it. Sure. So I think that I think the challenge is educating people on the dangers of it because it's easy to take uh, alcohol, let's say, out of someone's hand. It's freaking impossible to take a phone out of someone's hand because they need it. And it's always in their hand. So it's like an easy little hit that's always in your fingers. Mm-hmm. You could take the app off the phone, but then you could access it through the internet. So I don't think it's anything with tactical about removing it from you. I think it's more about educating them on it. I think the scary thing about it too, Tommy, is that we don't really know. Yeah. Like we have all these studies and this is a study that we're reading from the internet, but at the very end of it, it basically talks about, we don't have the data yet on how much this stuff is actually really affecting these kids. Yeah. The studies from 2022. So how, how long can they really study children with TikTok? I mean, it couldn't go back more than four years. Right. So if it's, yeah, was it more of like a 2020? I remember when TikTok was really, really popular. Yeah. So it was for what I thought in 2020 was uh, 13 year old girls doing dances. Right. And now it's, it's the number one, number one search engine in the world. Yeah. So we have a long time for us to understand, but I think the thing that is really important about this article that really, really hits home is that these are 10 to 12 year old kids and we can go back to science and science is going to tell us that these kids are not developed. They don't have a sense of self yet. And with that, this instant gratification. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. I mean, there was a golfer that just won the U.S. Open, Clark. 
Yep. Wyndham Clark. Wyndham Clark. You have more statistics on this, but the guy had... Yeah, he was he was an unbelievable golfer in college. And then he goes through his, his mom passed away. And this is just me watching the US Open. And he was one of the top players, competed with all the players that are top on tour. And then all of a sudden he shows up at the US Open and they're like, who's this Wyndham Clark? But all the players at the US Open knew exactly who this guy was. But he was really struggling with his own inner battle and what he was going through emotionally with his mom and learning if he really wanted to play the game. He contemplated quitting, didn't know, didn't know, didn't know. And watching him on Sunday at the US Open, that guy was attacking every single shot and he was so zoned in and locked in. I couldn't imagine, I don't think there was any room in his brain to be living in a world of comparison there because you have to be so focused on the craft. And I know this is a little bit of shift away from the social media topic, but what I do want to hit on is the world of comparison, right? It's so easy for ourselves to compare ourselves to others. And it's never been easier than now. Yeah, I could look up your stats from professional baseball within three seconds, and we could compare ourselves you know, on a simple level like that. Or I, you could look on my Instagram or I could look on yours or look on whoever's and see what kind of car they drive, their house, all the, we live in a constant world of comparison, but we know how dangerous that is. The beautiful thing about sport to me is if you're in true competition, if you're focused and competing and you're living to your max out ability in comp- competition, there's no room for comparison in your brain there because it's all driven towards the one mission, the one mission in mind and how you're going to achieve that goal and how you're going to beat that person across from you. Isn't there a lot of training that comes with allowing your brain to live in the here and now that's trained? You, I really believe this, that you train your mental through your physical. I, I understand what you're saying. Just playing devil's advocate here. You don't think you can train your mental through your mental? Yes, but I really think that the body in sport especially is making a physical movement and you have to train your mind on how to respond to the physical movement and where your mind is at while you're doing the physical movement. One thing to sit and journal and break things down and that's great and there's there's tools there. That's a tool. Another thing to make a conscious effort and a conscious focus on every single repetition. So obviously we work with a lot of pitchers and the old saying is one pitch at a time. But that is the most beautiful saying, and I pitched my best when I golfed the most. Because golf, when I golf the most, it's one shot at a time. And no matter if I, I'm i in the bunker for three shots, well, I'm going to have to find a way to put that ball in the hole, and I got to go to the next shot. I got to go to the next shot. If, I, if I'm living in the shot that I just hit, or if I'm living in the shot that's coming up next, I'm not in the present shot. And if you're not in the present moment, you're not putting out your best self. How do you train that? So the way I train my athletes to do that is we make a mantra or we make a statement associated with every rep. So you'll see it when we work with throwers together, but I think subliminally, I give them the message. I'll ask them a question after each throw. You like that? And they'll say, yeah, I like that. You like that? No, I didn't like that. Okay, next one. You like that? Yeah, I like that. So what ends up happening is we build a stack. So that's what I call confidence stacking. So we stack each and individual rep and we're only talking about that rep. So we're training ourselves to stay focused on one rep at a time, perform the rep, assess the rep, move to the next one. We are also training them to look internal on why they didn't like that rep. Yes. It's an external rep, but you're really training the kid to look internal on why he didn't like that. So you're associating mind body connection. Yeah. And this is really funny when I throw this at like a 15 year old. And their mom is standing there. And I say, what we're working on is the internal process to affect the external result. 
What you're constantly focused on is the external result. I want to do this to get that result. But really, you should just perfect doing this and that will happen. Right. And that's the thing that's really scary about the social media is yes. these kids are very young. So to teach a young kid who at that point cares more about his peers' viewpoints than his parental viewpoint, yeah. that's where it's a tricky situation. It's, it's training them to view the external result and exactly. not the internal process. Yeah, the external provides the internal validation. Kind of circle it back to what we're about is out and up versus down and in. Yeah. We're constantly out. Social media is out, 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 outward. But true greatness comes from within. What are we doing to train the in? And that's that's really tricky. It's tricky, but it can be done. It can be done, but you just got to be informed on it and you got to be taught on how to do it. Just like the conf- confidence stacking reps, just like turning off the social media, knowing that it's dangerous mm-hmm. and you got to look at it as it's dangerous because it is. And it's got to be treated that way. Yeah. Step one is educate the kids on what it is. And step two, probably set yourself accountable for however many hours, minutes you're going to allow yourself to be. Because we've talked about environment before in a previous episode. And they're part of your environment. You're allowing that in. And be very wary of that. It, It also goes with a positive and a negative environment. Yeah. Right. And something that I want to finish on is the mantra of staying in your own lane. So with the world of comparison, it's really, believe it or not, hard for me to stay committed to this, I don't want to call it job, but mission for me. It's hard to stay committed because there's no one out there, no model that I'm following. It's a literally like a lane on the freeway that hasn't been traveled and there's no real roadmap. Because it's very internal process for me on how I want to service the world and how I want to service those around me. And so it's very easy for me when I get outward and start looking at other things or things get hard and I start looking outwards instead of inward to deviate from my path. So this is a constant challenge for me. And that's why I've done better when I just handed the social media off because staying in my own lane and doing what I do best and doing what I know I'm called to do keeps me thriving and living the life that I want to live. But it's sometimes really hard when world the world challenges just come up. Hey, rent's going to cost this much. Insurance costs that much. This, that, this, that. And you start saying, oh man, it might be a lot easier to go make money doing this. Or it might be a lot easier to do this job. Or look at how much money John's making doing this. And you're like, whoa, no, no, no. Settle in, get back into your internal process. And what you're sitting on is actually more gold than you think. You're just not giving it the value that it has. Yeah, because I'm looking externally, not internally. Right. So the funny thing about coaching and the reason that I love coaching is because every time I share information with someone else, who am I really coaching? Yourself. Yes. And I think that is one of the most beautiful things about doing what we get to do. Absolutely. You know, so is there any closing thoughts that you have with today's episode? Well, I just wanted to say, I think it's important that when we talk about, when we go talk to people and we go talk to teams, we're really getting that team closed, right? We're, yep. we're sitting there having a conversation with them. Nobody else from the externals in that room, Yep. right? It's important that they understand that, that feature that we're really talking internally. We're getting the team together. You can do that by yourself. You can do that on an individual mm. basis. Yeah. Right. You don't need someone like us to come here and talk about it. You can do it yourself by, you know, journaling, Mm. disconnecting in whatever sense that means for you, whether it's social media or disconnecting, uh, disconnecting from a a unhealthy relationship. Sure. Or, you know, getting out in nature. Getting inward is what you're talking. 
Totally. Just giving examples of yeah. things that how to get inward, how to get inward. And I think that's important for these last clothing costs, clothing, closing thoughts. My apologies, everyone, um, <laughs> is that these kids are very young. Yeah. So if you're a parent or if you're an educator or a mentor, understand that we don't have the data for this, but understand some of these facts that we've shared with you and do your job as best you can to be that good mentor, that good parent and setting yourself and your child up and whoever it is up for success by Mm -hmm. setting some parameters and educating your child or whoever the kid is on what the benefits are of social media, as well as what the negative side effects of social media are. And because you're older, you can see things from a different viewpoint. Use that to your advantage. That's awesome. It's very tactical. So right there, I hope you tuned in to the very end because there was a huge chunk of value there. Andrew gave plenty of points on how to implement. It's one thing to talk about things. It's another thing to implement them. So implementation, if I could go in short, be educate, look inward, don't look outward. And then lastly, get your thoughts down on paper away from you so that you can externally look at your thoughts and reassess on what's going on inward. Perfect. Beautiful. Well, hope you got a lot of value from that today. And we'll be back again next week with another episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 